is there a song that you think is like, man, this is a good song, but because I just like I, I relate all because I relate this a little bit to comedy. Not that I think music a lot better than comedy, but I, I I'm only able to tell jokes. Oh, we think the opposite. But in comedy, it's like for there's me, there's no hiding in comedy. Yeah. We hide. Well, we get to find out. But you can't hide. You, you can't. You well, get the reaction, or you don't. Yeah, uh, but you can hide. Yeah, there's people hiding, but that's all the comedians it, I know, and this is not a dig at you, but yeah. I notice that they hide a lot in other ways. But on stage, you can't. You could you can hide on stage. But you could get people to react to cadence. You can you can pull tricks. There's plenty of ways to get by. See, you I know, see it as so pure. You know, just like they're probably. But I, I was just thinking about like there's like there'll be a I could th- th- this could happen where I write a joke that I think is I think it's great. And it just doesn't work ever quite the way I feel like it should. But I still tell it because I like it and it makes me happy. Does that happen to you in music where you have a song that you think, it's like, man, this is a good song, but I guess who would tell 100%. you that? 100%. No, people tell me all the time and I always keep it on the album. Because yeah. I think what you're after, not you, but anyone making work is to is to is to create something that you, that, that you think is... It's it's like this. It's like and I said this before. You know, you don't do what you think people are going to think is cool. You do what you think is cool. And if you start parsing out all the bits that don't work, even even if even if you even if the bits that do work are still your heart and soul, it's like, you know, at what point does the whole thing fall apart? You know, I, I say this. You know, with music, maybe it's similar to like a laugh. It's it's like you know, not every part's supposed to beat you over the head. You're not supposed to want to jump out of your seat and weep or dance to every part you know and if we cut out all of those parts that you might think are fat you know what do you have left so it's like maybe those things that because i have this all the time like i love this 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 part of the song i love this whole song or i love this part maybe you don't think it works fine but if the whole album works then we're never going to be able to quantify why it works but we can sure as hell say the album works or it doesn't. And if the answer is it works, then who are we to start fucking with all these little pieces, you know, that somehow the sum are, are a great album? Because there's a lot of pressure all the time. My version of the laugh, you know, like, oh, like this part, this, this part goes on so long. Oh, that, like, who needs that? Like, this is a little, can't really hear the lyric here. What are you doing? It's like, well, there's a reason for it and I love it. Yeah. Now, is that... You don't want to crawl into a ditch and live in that world, but... Mm-hmm. You know, you have, you're, I think your work has to be recognizable to you uh, first, first and foremost before you can share it. And I think that a lot of people, and I've been here before and I don't intend to go back, but I think it's very easy to play ball to the point where your work becomes unrecognizable to you. And then you're left with the vapors of high fives, but you don't really, you know, how many, how many millions of artists talk about the work they have out there that they don't like? What the fuck are you doing? Do you have work out there that you're not happy with? You don't, you don't have to say the exact thing. No, not want. not really, because I um because I learned that lesson. Yeah, I learned that lesson before I uh, before anyone was paying attention. Mm-hmm. I was uh, lucky enough to not come up that way. You know, I I toured for so many years and put out so many records that no one gave a fuck about that. You know, at some point you start to wear that as armor, and we talked about this the other day, where it was like, you don't like me, you don't buy my records. Well, I'm making them, and I'm going to make them better and better, and I'm and I'm going to do and I'm and I'm not going to chase you. If you're ever going to come, you're going to have to come to me. So I got you know if if I had a hit when I was 17, God fucking knows what would have happened to me. 
because I would have learned the world in a very weird way. My whole education in art is you make it and then you drive around in a van and borrow money. Yeah. So so I actually have a lot of sympathy for people who sort of get that that wink from the world too early because then you know what it feels like. Well, you start doing, you start making things as anybody. Like I, I, I you start, I, when I was like a kid, I would just write stories. That's what I, and I would just, for nobody, you know, just write things. For no one. That's the, yeah. that's the ticket. I mean, I think I started all this. It started, what made me a, a, an artist is I wanted to be heard. I was, the, I, I didn't feel like I was being heard. And it's just been like, that's been my me fighting to be like no let me tell you something yeah and uh and and it, then it was through stories and whatever i'm sure there's a lot of that stuff that if yeah if for some reason i it got published at that time i think this is genius but it looks like uh, something a 15 year old would write you know does don't really understand the world or not that i don't think a 15 year old doesn't have something to offer i think every you know they're they're human beings you know and and there's some very yeah, thoughtful but, but, but some of them. I'm but, not obsessed with 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 the, with the with the young at the moment. I think. Well, I think everybody. <laughs> I you know. I get I get very uh, caught up in this idea of like this generational nationalism. What do you mean by that? Where it's like where where people are so connected to their their childhood and how they grew up that everything else is dumb. It's like they don't live in the now. Generational nationalism is really interesting. So I just try to be like open, you know. Yeah. I try to also, but I also think there's a so that I think there's it's somewhere in between because I think it's like you have generational nationalism, but then you also have this like endless cycle of like everyone's like sucking the blood of what they perceive as the youth, which is often funny because often the perception of the youth is really just like older people's, it's like older people's business perception of what the youth is. Yeah. So it's like often like the version of the youth, like because I remember so when I was you know of that age in the '90s, there was what was going on. And then there was what older people thought was going on and was trying to sell to herbs. Yeah, and it's, the, and it's always going to be that fifty-year-old telling a forty-year-old to find out what twenty-year-olds. Yeah, it's are doing. so fucking boring. And like, so they're so far removed. Like, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what's going on with with kids, really. Uh, you know, so why the fuck should you? you? Should know what's going on? Like, I don't. Yeah, I don't have children. I think, I think that's what's weird about music, or if you're in entertainment in any way, is this is sort of like hyper obsession with like what's going on with the kids but then you hang out with the kids or work with the kids and all the fuck they want to talk about is the 70s yeah they so like, like grown-up stuff yes yeah, so you're like what the fuck's going on who gives a shit and then you tor- you take a step back and you realize well the person who was trying to suck the blood of the kid was like some like you know 52 year old executive who like read a, a spreadsheet somewhere and is just taking part in this like endless loop of like an older person just sort of like trying to like sell something to someone who's not even a kid anymore it's almost like selling youth culture it's sort of like it's sort of how i feel about like you see that show euphoria i haven't seen it no. like i don't know any kids that watch that everyone i know who watches that is 30 mm. and it's like it's like their impression of what they think kids are uh, doing and uh, it's like first of all like who gives a fuck and second of all like why don't you just like Write about your goddamn experience in your third. It's weird. It's, well, it's, it's like a, it's when an obsession. all these talk shows would talk. These kids are all having rainbow parties. You know, there would uh, there would be like these talk shows, like in the nineties, talking about kids are all having parties where everybody's giving each other blowjobs and they're wearing lipstick and and it, different colored lipstick. I've and never be, heard of this. This was a, this was what like year a, was this? I don't know. 
I don't know exactly. I was I I was past rainbow party age at that point, but I was like, I was like, I, even if I was a kid now, and I I don't think I'd be invited to the rainbow party, so I don't feel like I'm missing out. And it feels like this is a myth that's going on. I don't I don't know that 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 sex and and uh, sexuality is is going to ever be easy for hormonal kids trying to figure out their bodies and all that stuff. I mean, there's some kids that just, yeah, they just hit it. They just hit a stride and they have no issues, but it seems like for the most part. you have no issues with that. Like it must be, it must be a really interesting, uninteresting experience to just be like, this is my body and everyone should want to touch it. Like if that's how you feel, I know people who seem to think that way. That seem to think like my body is a gift. Yeah, I never was and given that impression by I never, anybody. No, or I mean, I wasn't. I wasn't specifically not given that impression. It was just it was just sort of like it never occurred to me to just share so freely. Mm. Yeah, you know? I was always very afraid. Well, I was also I was chubby, so the taking off my shirt was a whole thing. Taking off, you know, I was I was not particularly chubby, but I remember um, terror at at swim. Yeah, yeah, I didn't want to take off my shirt. And you, but you weren't overweight at all. Please. No, but 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 our upbringing was so you know that sort of that sort of third generation Holocaust upbringing is so food obsessed. Uh huh. Crazy food yeah. obsessed. So there was like crazy food obsession in my family. In what way? You were made the, to feel like no. The sh- easiest way to describe it is like if you if you didn't eat your food, it was like kids were starving in Africa, and if you did eat your food, it was like well someone was hungry. Oh, I didn't have the I didn't have the other the shame of eating too much. No, we have definitely have to eat. You have to eat everything. I have a lot of memories of my mom looking at me eating and saying, "Quote: I thought you were into being Mister Healthy lately." That's a quote. I thought you were into being Mister Healthy lately, Mm. which is an insane jumble of words. But that's actually that's that that side of the family communicates in that way with sort of like these like um it's almost like they like uh you know they like shoot you in the face. And then act like they didn't do it, and no one did it, and you should just sit there. And what's the problem? It's like, it del- like they deliver things in like a wild way. Like, um, yeah, like I thought you were into being Mister Healthy, which is you know another just way of saying like, you you're eating that. too much. Yeah. I think I think you look fat, but it's also kind of mocking with Mister Healthy. Yeah, well, it's who like, the fuck is Mister Healthy? Yeah, it's <laughs> is that the, the guy with the he had the skin tight suit with the you could see his uh, bu- organs. That was Slim Goodbody. That was Slim Goodbody. Yeah. Mr. Healthy sounds like someone who like we find out was touching people. Yeah, you know. I, I don't know about Slim Goodbody. I don't anybody that's uh, tried to appeal to children that Goodbody in that way. <laughs> I would arrest them. But yeah, there's, there's I'm sure a, I'm sure he was a fine. Lot of weird food I'm shit. sure Slim Go- Goodbody was uh, up and on the on the up and up. But, I, but both my parents, my dad wouldn't eat much at all. And would shower like three times a day at one point in his life. So there's that. And then my mom would always look great, but be like, oh, I'm, you know, constantly complain about, you know, being five or seven pounds overweight. It was, just, it was such an emphasis on food. And I think it comes from the generation before where there wasn't food because they couldn't take all the food when they fled Europe. And then when they got yeah. here, there wasn't enough money for food, you know, so it was like that kind of thing. Like, you know, leaving Europe, both, both, both sides of grandparents, you know, living in, the states with like a lot of people in one room, you know, people are like sleeping in drawers, and it's like someone like like real like you know coming to America five stuff, like someone like finds a crust of bread and everyone shares it. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, like it's funny to it's funny to uh, to have uh, been raised with so many wonderful things and to go to good schools and to not have to worry about food on your table. But just one generation back, it's full fucking 
no money and and everyone living in one room and there's no food and there's crazy anti-Semitism and people are getting half the families wiped out. It's it's so weird. I think I think I'm a, I think this generation of uh, my specific kind of Eastern European Jewish thing is really really weird. It's really weird because uh, we're we're so connected to that and we're so far from it at the same time. Yeah. Oh, that is an interesting. I never even really thought because it's like my grandmother who lived with us. She grew up. She she lived in the depression, right? And my parents both grew up poor. And my mom in particular grew up poor. But she doesn't really talk about it. See, that's why I like to be nervous about stuff. When, whenever there's like going to be, oh, there's a hurricane. You always see these guys, these people, ah, it's fine. And they have no basis of that other no than basis. they want it to be fine. I know. I mean, it's kind of all you have at some point is like the trauma of your specific people. Sure. You know, all those things, they're so, they're so in you. Like, you know, just, you, you know, one generation, two generations, three generations ago, you look at where it all comes from. You look at whether your people were running from somewhere, whether your people were doing something horrible, whatever it is. It's like so in you. I think it's I think it's important to keep it in the conversation constantly. And often the best way to do that is through humor. Because you can't just sort of like fire off about a lot of horrible generational things without a bit of a joke. So I think it's a nice way to keep keep the the energy of what you're feeling there, but to also be able to laugh a little bit. Does that make sense? When my, the last school trip I remember, I think we were like 15, and we went to all the war memorials in DC's in DC. And uh, me and my friends, we destroyed the bathroom in our hotel room. We we like ripped everything apart. But other people were fucking. And I do think that the energy of Vietnam, World War II, World War One, Korea, all of it put together does leave some impression in your head where you're sort of like, maybe we can like let loose a little bit because shit's crazy. It's sort of what happens at weddings. You go to weddings, people are like, oh, like this is fucking crazy. Let's just let's just go nuts. And you bring someone to like a horrible memorial site, it sort of does the same thing in the head in a weird way, and then you jam them in a hotel together and you know. You know, I was I got out of New York for Y two K. And I don't you regret did? it. Yeah, I, nothing happened. Where'd you go? I went to Pennsylvania. I said I'm not I, I, I heard what I heard I heard rumors. I knew a guy. He's like my dad. He's a he's on the board of this hospital in New Jersey, and uh, he, he's saying that they have like all this these these chemical like things like setups, like these tents out in the parking lot because Y two K there's going to be a chemical attack and everybody's going to have to go to New Jersey. Hmm. He's like he lived in Brooklyn. He's like I'm, we're we're all getting out of New York, and I was like I'm was into like, that though. Uh, yeah, I mean it's a little bit like what's going on with climate right now. Like when I try to put myself in the mindset of some of these people who don't believe in climate change, I'm like, well, best case scenario is we create a whole bunch of new industries and you happen to be right. Worst case scenario is you fucking die. Right. So it's like, it's the same thing with, with, with Y2K. It's like, worst case scenario, as someone who fled, it's a funny story. Best yeah. case scenario, you don't die. Yeah, because I mean, when it comes to climate change, I believe that it's real and that the, and the scientists... Are, are telling the truth and it's not some kind of uh, scam to get us to stop using straws. I, well, that's not related. That's just polluting the oceans. But it's not this scam. But at the same time, when people are like, ah, it's nothing, it's fine. I'm like- What's the upside in thinking that? You get to be the chill the chill person at the apocalypse. Yeah. I guess. You know, it's like- I don't know if you make it to the apocalypse. I think you're wiped out before that. It's just going to be the anxious of us left. And then it's just going to be, I, we're kind of already there. But how have we reached the point where it's just the anxious yeah. left and it's no fun? I mean, how afraid are you, are, are you of dying? Uh, not as long as I don't go alone. For example, if I'm with my loved ones on an airplane, don't care. When I'm on an airplane alone, I'm like, eh. 
an airplane crash I do not wish to be on in. No, but but it, dying for me is really more, much more of an issue of being left forward or behind. I'm happy to move. I want to move with the group. Hmm. You don't think you could come back and and as and haunt them? I don't. Or not care. haunt them, but like you know, knock over a thing and be like, "Hey, look, it's me." Well, no offense to Novak, but I don't find it. I find it interesting to hear about. I don't find it interesting to think about because. Um, I think this is a big difference when I think about people in my family, like Jackie or Rachel, like like my sister, Rachel will just sit around and be like, you know, like, maybe it's not real. You know, like, maybe it's, uh, you know, uh, an expression of an expression of a figment of a, of a cough that someone had once in Japan and we're just sort of looming around and we're just, you know, like she gets into that NYU freshman kind of thinking. I, I'm not. I don't care. I don't think, like, I, I'm very focused on what I'm literally doing, like. I'm super, I'm very, I'm very basic in many ways. Like I'm very regimented. I wake up in the morning, I eat the same thing. I have ideas for songs and records. I want to go make them. And I really, really, really don't think or don't find it helpful to think of some sort of uh, spin on the universe. And no knock to Novak either, but just like, you know, if there are ghosts and they're watching, it's just, it would just be so embarrassing to have them witness us discussing them. <laughs> it's almost like the ultimate example you know, like if there's ghosts and and they're watching us do this or do the whole like discussion of ghost thing, if they're watching it, then isn't it just like then you're like at a cafe in a couple hours and you just see like a bunch of 15 year olds like waxing on about like sex or something. You just be like, oh, you idiots. And wouldn't it be so embarrassing if the ghosts are watching us just like have these opinions? I, think- I feel the way about the aliens, too. It's like, yeah, they're going to reveal themselves. Maybe maybe my point is I find so much everyday magic in some of just the stuff going on that it's not I'm not super fascinated by the idea of ghosts or aliens because I'm like equally fascinated about by like the shower or something I don't know it's just it's all kind of happening now I sound like my sister I I I can buy into this is a computer simulation not that it matters all that much when someone's like there's ghosts here and you have to you know clap your hands three times and do a backflip then you get to see them it's such conjecture and there's so many there's so many specific things that we we don't even that are right here that we're not dealing with I feel like the, the the choice of death is either it is absolutely just we are machines that get shut down. We're done. It's over. I don't or, personally think that. I don't personally – I used to think that. Or there's this other thing that we are just – we have – that has got to be all right, right? It's got to be okay. It's like I don't think we're going to all burn in some hell type of thing. Maybe. It's probably better than this. I think that the, to me, the ultimate source of strength is, is and I'm I'm very afraid of death. I'm afraid of death because of things I've been missing. I'm not necessarily afraid of what is going to happen because it's like I don't know. You just don't know. It's so it's so goofy. I mean, I don't know. Like there's so there's so many brilliantly fascinating things to discuss that we feel. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I think it's why I spend my so much of my time making music because it's like it's here and we feel it and we can experience it together. And there's so much unknown even within that that it seems wild to me that. Uh, even that's how I feel about a lot of religion too. It's like you're gonna spend the whole party talking about your root home. You know what I mean? Like, isn't that a little bit it? Like, like you're here, so so be here. You know, you know, be decent, be good. You know, if you need help with doing that, I'm sure there's systems out there. But like, the whole time you're just gonna talk about, you know, what car you're gonna get in or whatever or what. The, right. I, I don't know. It, it, it's a little so I, uh, enjoy this. I actually find with... it very boring because at the yeah. end of the day, although. I guess it's sort of a metaphor of how I feel about sort of streaming or endless content. It's like if everything's infinity and there's infinity impossibilities, then who gives a shit at all? You know, it's it's, it's 
Yeah, it's like, I'm no longer. Afraid I used to of feel death. that way in Blockbuster. I'd walk in and be like, I don't even know, man. Fuck <laughs> it. Like, let's just watch Noises Off again because it's just. Yeah. It, it's more cozy to just make a choice than it is to sit here and uh, you know. That's why I just ended up watching Seinfeld on Hulu. I know, it, precisely. Yeah. That's. But I'm not. I never nihilist. thought of it that way. Uh, my my sister's a nihilist. I'm not. Now I think nihilism's. Well, I believe tough. nihilism is is the sense. She she represents something interesting, which I think is an unlobbied for a group. It's their um, positive, happy nihilists. Nihilism doesn't mean you're an asshole. It just means that you genuinely believe that nothing matters. If you genuinely believe that is Rachel's core belief, and yeah. one she'll be like, "You're the best. You're this is great. It was so much fun." Doesn't matter, but it's like she's she's here for it. But she just truly thinks that it all just to your point just sort of drifts away and and fuck it. I think I've gone through periods like that, and I might come back to it again. I think about it a lot. And I try, I'm just trying to make peace with it because I don't want to be afraid of death all the time. But that concept of, I think, of why be, is that we're bad? at the party. You're only, it's only bad to be afraid of death if it motivates you to do nothing. Isn't your fear of death motivating? No. Well, that's bad probably. I don't know. I don't think it motivates me at all. I guess it does in the sense that, yeah, you do a lot of things to kind of block it out. Right, there's things that we do to like make us feel like we that all that exists is be... now. When you're creating, you're like, this is all that matters is what you're. If, if you really, if I get really intensely writing or performing or anything like that, there's I'm not worried about. Well, because it backs up to death. So when you're doing a good job, you think, okay, this is a version of not dying. And even when you're talking about that, if I'm talking about death, because then it's like I'm facing it at this moment. It's not like the real like moment where I'm like laying in bed, be like, well, I don't know. I could die tomorrow, and then what? Or just like uh, on a plane. I, I'm not afraid to fly, but sometimes I'll be like, oh, this thing could just go down. You know? It's a bit how I feel about depression and anxiety, where it's more anxiety than depression, where it's like I've had times in my life where I'm chasing this feeling, and I'm chasing it, and I'm chasing it, and I'm chasing it. And it's, and it's almost physical. It almost feels like you're chasing something, like down this like spiral staircase, you're chasing this thing. And then at some point you get to it, and you grab it and you turn it around it's a big moment in the movie and there's no face or it's not even there at all and you're just like fuck you, you know there's 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 no there there uh which is really my favorite phrase for so many things whether i'm talking about art or a feeling it's just there's no there there um unless there is and you know when there is and uh you know for i've had a lot of times in my life when i thought that so many so many good things had come from a lot of darkness but um the only good things that have come from darkness for me are are from the darkness that I couldn't avoid. You know, just like losing people, being a human being, et cetera, et cetera. But, but, the, but the romanticizing I've done in the past about my anxiety, no matter how much I joke about it now, there's no there there. I chase it, I chase it, I chase it. And I'm lucky if on the crazy route of chasing it, I can make great things. But this thing I've put my focus in isn't the focus. You get to a certain point in your life when, you, when it actually gets... Uh, boring and creation is not boring like you don't need the suffering i don't need to hate myself to make work i thought i used to i, don't I need thought to, that i don't too, need to suffer yeah. to make work my work is about something ironically so much deeper than the things i used to think were the deepest things about me that's also lost stuff like i lost my sister I, I, like like so when that happened i you know i think the biggest the biggest thing that i can reflect on about uh quote-unquote tragic experiences in one's life is that the real tragedy is if you then assume that everything is that. And mm. I think that's and I think that's something that people do where it's like it, when, when you're unlucky or lucky enough to go through something so profound, whatever it is, it, it can't be the only lens you see thing, things through. 
and and for and for some time it can. It's that way with depression or or, or serious anxiety or or any anything massive that sort of colors everything. It's sort of like everything is in relation to that. And I think you you miss you miss things that that are happening with you if you if you're only looking at it from that lens. And I think I spent a lot of time in relationship to my work and my life thinking that it was all sort of this loop and meditation on loss. And and I think when you think of something so massive like loss, you don't think that you're not living or thinking because you're like, well, I'm this, I'm obsessed with this massive issue and I'm dissecting it. But in truth, if you're so in the weeds on this one thing, then you're kind of missing all these other things. And all those other things are are really coloring this thing. And you know, it's sort of like, you know, obsessively looking at w- one color on the painting. And even if it's the most vibrant, you're, you're, there's a lot of context there, much like the, the joke or the song that not everyone likes on the record. It's, it's like finding the whole piece and not, um, not bogging yourself down with just like what you think is, is, is the heart of it. Because you, you might be wrong. I, I get obsessed with that journey. Or I'm chasing something. I'm chasing something. I'm chasing something. I get that thing. And there was no fucking thing. And I guess what I'm saying is like a much blabbier version of, of what a hallmark would call it's about the journey you know, but I've, I've made my best work and been my happiest in my life when I've been able to, uh, kind of let, let things happen a little bit around me, have a big idea and then let it come to me a little more, not, not have a big idea. And then kind of Chris Farley with the bread, destroy it myself, whether I'm writing about the sun or loss or anything. 